Hey, you're listening to the RFWP Podcast with your host, Lois McNair and Emily Lewis, where you'll find candid conversations, transparent faith, encouragement, the occasional sarcasm, and a whole lot of grace as they share their walk with Jesus. Here's today's episode. Hi there, friend. Here is the second half of the conversation that Lois and I had with the RFP guys, Brian, Nathan, and JC. We had such a fun time while we were recording, and I'm sure that you will notice uh, we crack ourselves up too. So I hope we can make you guys laugh right along with us. Without further ado, here is the second half of our conversation. Enjoy. Okay, I want to get you guys to respond to a statement that I read, and it was it was written maybe a year or two ago, but I'm going to read the second half of the statement, um, and it was reposted on Twitter today. There aren't good women theologians because it is unnatural. We can fuss against nature all we want, but it is simply true, and 2,000 years of church history proves it. Now, let me read the first part of that again. There aren't good women theologians because it is unnatural. This was not sarcasm. So are we saying that women then are without the leadership of the Holy Spirit? Are we saying that women are then without insight into Scripture and into God's Word? I would say this. I believe far more women have taught the truth of scripture to their children and then that has been lived out Uh, women have taught God's word in congregations Uh, women have taught God's word in small group ministries women have taught God's word Uh, first of all I don't just think Lois that that's demeaning to women I think that's actually demeaning to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit empowers us and guides us into truth And for me, I mean, guys, you might disagree with this, but my offense to that statement is not only for the sake of women and the fact that it's a lie, but it's also because it it almost makes it sound as if women have less of the Holy Spirit guiding them into truth, which would be, Mm -hmm. uh, that would be heresy. Yeah, Emily, before one of the other guys jumps in because I because I'm I'm watching you they're standing there with bated breath at their microphones I want to hear from you because I specifically did not tell you that was a statement that I had pulled off of Twitter today because I wanted Mm -hmm. to hear Mm -hmm. your response (laughs) I hate the message that says women are less smart than men or they they like the deeper things less than men when we speak those things over women, that's what they begin to believe is true. Mm-hmm. And then they begin to own the, I just must not be as smart, or I'm not as good at, or I can't excel in a, a specific field or even outside of the home. And we're putting women in a box that, like Brian said, the Holy Spirit didn't intend them to be in. And it's just... right. Mm. it's not it's not at all valuing women right at all and you know theology is literally the study of god yes 
And I think the word theology gets thrown around with yeah. so many different meanings. If theology is the study of God, you can look up a dictionary or you can look up Wikipedia to see the word theologian and its definition. But the study of God, theology is for anyone. Mm-hmm. It's for anyone, right? So the fact that somebody would make a statement mm-hmm. that, yeah, you know, there aren't good women theologians because it's against nature and 2000 years of church history has proved it. I I know that we we're not talking about denominations, but I'm like that kind of thought process no wonder Beth Moore just left the SBC. I mean, with a broken heart, she did. Mm-hmm. And but- the reason that women aren't rising up and leading is because they're not allowed to. Yeah, that's that's what I wanted to speak into. I think, if anything, that is a direct... That's, that's not a positive thing about the church that that's true. That's a knock against the church itself because I think we have discouraged women historically from pursuing uh the study of theology and it it shouldn't be that way explain to me how Mm -hmm. there are women in the bible who spoke scripture there there are five named or five listed i think four are named and one is unnamed but five mentioned prophetess in the old testament Do you know what a prophet did? What a prophetess did? They spoke for God. Deborah literally said, thus says the Lord Mm -hmm. and spoke God's words. God used her for that. You're telling me God won't use a woman to study theology? I was, was, uh, can't mention names because I love this man very much, but I was in a Sunday school class very early in my married life. And... My Sunday school teacher was just railing against uh, Kay Arthur. He just didn't like her. He thought it was wrong. She's preaching on the radio and teaching on the radio, and she's teaching to men, and that's wrong. And I remember that just hit me so wrong that he was speaking against her. And the ironic thing (laughs) was I had listened to her on the radio that same week. And here's the first thought that popped into my head. Well, I don't know, and I couldn't verbalize it at the time, but here's what popped into my head. I don't know about everybody else in this room, (laughs) but she's a way better teacher than you are, buddy. So you need to just back down. And uh, I still stand behind that. So yeah, I, I think that that is just a result of the culture of the church that again, we, we push women down and, and they're taken advantage of because of whatever cultural reasons. JC, you look like you're chomping at the bit. You know, I go to a story in First Kings, the story of Naaman, who's this mighty warrior. Uh, you know, he's got leprosy in his hand. He goes to see the prophet and he sends his, his servant out. And then he, he goes and dips in the river, but it's the servant girl who was the lesser that said, hey, why don't you obey what he told him to do. He said, your pride, and that's where I think a lot of this comes back to his pride, that they don't want to make it mm-hmm. appear that they didn't have all the answers, that this guy doesn't have all the, the right things to sure. say. This girl tells Naaman, says, 
if he told you to do something great and mighty, you would have done it. He's just telling you to dip in the Jordan River seven times and you'll be whole. And he does that. And I love it because it's not the prophet. It's not a judge. It's not like he brings like I, I love the passage that says he brings like ten shirts and a bunch of money. Like he, he thinks he could buy his way. And then this little servant, insignificant girl to him is the one that finally talks him into going in and he res, he's made whole. And I think of that and a lot of times what happens is I think it's in such a place because of tradition that we've been taught that the man's place mm-hmm. is to be the the speaker, the the mouthpiece, the one that hears from God and delivers the word. That's why we have MOG, the man of God, not the WMOG, the woman man of God. Um, but that that or the WOG, the woman of God. Um, <laughs> but in a way, it's almost like God speaks more, and He speaks clearly when we're listening for His voice, and He doesn't just give it to men. He speaks through men and women. And I think, you know, we've all exhaustively, we could sit here and go through all the times that God has spoken through a woman. I mean, my brain goes back to, uh, you know, Esther, just that one night with the king and how God, you know, used her to do so many incredible things and to save her people. And there's so many story after story where that tweet is just daggum trash. Well, you know, uh, Elizabeth, uh, during the Magnificat, when Mary arrived, Elizabeth prophesied. Elizabeth opened her mouth and spoke things that could have only been revealed to her through and by the Holy Spirit. We just can't erase that. We can't overlook that. You can't erase that out of Scripture. And, yep. uh, and you know, sometimes I think men, if, if men are honest, are almost intimidated by women, and I think so often a pulpit makes weaker men bolder than they should be. Mm. Yep. And that's their place of power and authority mm. and boldness. And they get in the pulpit and it's why they almost take on a completely different personality. Yeah, I can I can see that. You know, I, I mentioned this before, but... Uh, not in this podcast, but um, I'm currently reading When Narcissism Comes to the Church. And the truth of the matter is, um, just more outgoing personalities, people who are uh, naturally um, gifted to perform or, you know, any of those creative giftings with different personality types, anybody can have... Uh, narcissistic tendencies like like any of us okay you know honestly um, that are mm-hmm. right if it, we take pride in anything we can have narcissistic tendencies so that's not necessarily <clears throat> where it goes wrong but in Chuck DeGroat's book when narcissism comes to the church he talks about somebody who is maybe naturally given to narcissism and then it's it's when they step into those narcissistic characteristics even more so that they're almost praised for it because it looks like their strengths and this and the leadership. And he, he makes this statement, the grandiosity, entitlement, and absence of empathy characteristic of narcissistic personality disorder was translated into the profile of a good leader. Now he's quoting someone. 
Then he says, those affected by narcissism's bite were led to believe it was their fault. It was their fault. Whatever's happening in the church, whatever's, it's their fault. It's a lack of humility. It's just a failure to submit. And I'm going to add in there, submit to the man of God. Um, and then he says later on in the book, he says, what's more, these systems perpetuate shame among those who are not as holy, not as connected, not as charismatic, intelligent, or powerful. These insider-outsider dynamic keeps many hoping and praying that they can ascend the ladder and make up where they are lacking. But the system holds down those who don't measure up or props up those who feed the narcissistic beast. The system seeks to control any dynamic that undermines its effectiveness and longevity. These three factors, structure, shame, and control, are key aspects of narcissistic mm -hmm. systems. Now, I know that's a lot to chew on, but if we're talking about um, what... Brian just said about getting in the pulpit and this can happen with anybody, but getting in the pulpit and that becoming the power moment and you're not checking your pride or allowing your elders or those around you to, to check and have good solid accountability. That's when we have this type of system being perpetuated. And then we hear statements like, Jack Treber hollering from the mm -hmm. mountaintops. This happened because you touched the man of God. You touched the man of God. Yeah. I was trying to tie that into what you were saying, Brian, about <laughs> ascending the pulpit. What is it? What is it Mount that the they pulpit. say in some churches? Yeah, I can't even. No, I can't say that. <laughs> I cannot oh. say that. <laughs> uh, but you reading that it definitely brings up what I even talked about my story in the beginning just what I touched on in this episode that I always felt like that any lack of spiritual or any offense that I took because you know um, great peace have they which love thy law nothing shall offend them so you should be able to withstand abuse and just it's my must be my fault so we're talking about the systems that keep people, whether it's females or males, from really stepping into who God's called them to be. Like we, like we don't all have the Holy Spirit living inside of us individually and we have to get our worth or our knowledge from somebody else. So in Chuck's book, he, he also said uh, this section on narcissistic churches. For centuries, ecclesial systems have been structured hierarchically, privileging particular people over others. Male leaders, the educated, people with resources, or the well-connected traditionally have greater access to power than others. Structures are not necessarily to blame for narcissistic leaders, but particular structures do create an environment where it can grow unchallenged wow i think to be honest with you that's why a lot of the ifb that we have seen and that we come against 
a lot of it has happened as a result of not being challenged. There's no accountability. There's no, uh, there, there's mm-hmm. nobody saying, no, that's not right. And so this junk keeps getting mm-hmm. preached, and it's clickbait preaching, if you think about it, because they're saying enough stuff, and people are shouting amen, and then there's this false, this false sense of I'm important, and so they think that their word then becomes more than what it is, and so then they continue to spew this garbage, and it never goes checked. And then when you do check them, then they become such a narcissist that it's all about their word that accountability is the last thing. I think, to be honest with you, when you leave the IFB, that's one of the hardest things to ask for is accountability because you're so used to living in a culture where your word is right, where the man of God is right. And I think that's why some of these guys can tweet and preach and do and say some of the things that they think and and do because nobody's going to hold them accountable. And I really do believe we live in a system that we lived in a system that went unchecked. Yeah. And what the result of no accountability is narcissism. Yeah. I'm reading, I'm reading a book by Alexander Strzok on biblical eldership. And he addresses one of the reasons why God set up a plurality of elders, because there are a certain group of sins that directly feed into ministry life. And there are a certain set of temptations that exist for people that are given a certain amount of power and exposure. And he talks about Mm -hmm. exactly what JC just said, that that's why we have other brothers and uh, people in our life that hold us accountable because there is a certain set of temptations that tempt people in leadership, whether it's a CEO or whether you know it's in a, a local business or in a church, yeah. power can become intoxicating, right. and we always that's, have to guard good. against that. So this this question is more about your last year. So guys, we we have you know listened and watched as God has just worked amazingly through the three of you um, and those that have come around you over the last year. And I have been introduced to people, whether it's just through social media that now I follow and listen to that are encouraging. One of those people is Josh Tice. I can't wait to meet he and his family in person at some point. Emily kind of had to pull me back the other day and she said, Lois, you you don't want to poke that bear. And I said, oh, but I do. I was listening to Tommy McMurtry's podcast and his sidekick that I can't remember his name. He he was tearing Josh up and you know why why does he have to be so flamboyant? He even made the comment, I mean if your gaydar doesn't go off, man, I am so wired against those kind of things that it just Emily had to pull me back. She's like, you don't want to poke that bear. And I'm like, no, I kind of do. (laughs) I kind of do. And so I didn't know, you know, if, if you guys have, even after a year, and I've got another question for you, but even after a year, do you have a visceral response when those kind of things happen? It doesn't even phase me. I've had people saying bad things about me for years. And I believe that what we're doing is right. 
and I believe at the right. end of the day our motives are right. We have a lot of fun. We cut up all the time. That's just who the three of us are. I mean, you guys have seen that tonight. You're going to have to edit out like three and a half hours of stuff, right, just because of how much we cut up. By the way, I do have a I do have a name change idea for Tommy McMurtry. I think he should call his uh, podcast Verbal Excrement. But <laughs> I think we will probably have but, to. No, I think you need to leave that. I said that on purpose. Uh, but <laughs> I know that our our motives are right, and uh, we want to make a difference. And I think this past year has been incredible. You know, today in the RFP fam community, did you guys see the post this week, the family who was saying, please pray for us. We're going to have that yes. talk with our family. Yes. Yeah. And then today yes. they they posted yes. how God worked in that conversation and they were so excited. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that, that makes the past year worth it mm-hmm. because that's bigger than the three of us. Mm. Sure. And yeah. what God's doing is bigger yeah. than us. And Brian, I know, like I've heard you, I've heard you say that and that that it doesn't bother you. And I know you can probably take it, but does it give you a visceral response when these guys that you're connecting with and helping out of the IFB or whatever, when they come under attack, do you feel a protective? Yeah, I do kind of, but it's to be expected. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. just, that's the way it is. I think. You know, like Brian said, we don't take that stuff personal. These, these guys are going to post just to get followers. They they figured out how to get likes and comments and things like that. And we feed that too much. You know, we're learning now that every critic doesn't need a response. That's on me. I'm learning. I'm growing. We're we're new in this, but you <laughs> Is know, that since last week, exactly. We're, we're, um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yesterday. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I think I think we're, you know, there's been a couple times over this last year where it's gotten really personal. There's a guy that posted a picture of me and my family and, you know. Oh, just my gosh, that, I remember that, one. that. And then that dude down in Florida calling our wives fat. That's the only two times that it kind of got really personal where I was ready to get in my truck and drive and meet somebody. But other than mm-hmm. that, what you just said, seeing the I, – I don't know how not Nate and Brian feel. I, I think I do, but there's a – I think there's a sense of – of responsibility that because of what we're doing with the RFP, these guys are doing what they're doing and God is using Mm. the podcast, Mm -hmm. but there's also this freedom that they're finding, but it's also creating new tension for them. It's Mm -hmm. creating backlash. It's creating a world of kind of what we're living through and we're okay, but we're, we're getting to see other people leave and, and Mm -hmm. we're walking through that with them. And there's a heaviness about that because we're walking through not just with one person, many people that are feeling the pain of parents not talking to them, of churches shunning them. And, you know, and, and so I wouldn't say it's guilt, but in a way there's a sense of, of, of like pressure that we want to make sure we're continually pointing them to the truth of Scripture, that we're mm-hmm. pointing them to the gospel, that we're pointing them to God and not about our ideology to not swing the pendulum from the IFB to the RFP, to make sure you're walking with God and that, mm-hmm. you know, you have good community around you, not just a podcast. And we say this right. all the time. We want you to own your faith, not sure. just what Brian, Nathan, and JC say, not what mom and dad says, why you believe what you believe. And uh, I just feel there's a there's a responsibility and mm-hmm. a heaviness as we're walking through that with them. Nate, would you agree? Yeah, and for me, I'm very protective of 
the people when, when yeah. like, for example, when Tommy spoke out right. against Josh, I'm very protective of that. Josh is my friend now, and I respect him. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get in fights yeah. now a lot more about somebody else than I will about myself. Um, w- when people come after me, I usually just contact them, and, and we have yeah. conversations. And I call them out on it. But uh, when they go after my friends and people that I love, and even Brian and yeah. J.C., uh, or you guys like I'm I'm gonna fight for that. So are you gonna take up for me since Andrew went after me the other day? <laughs> did Sluter go after you the other day? He did. How did I miss that? I missed it because he's blocked. <laughs> Andrew Sluter helped me a couple weeks ago. He posted a tweet that was about a topic in the Bible that he was studying, and he had this big revelation, and he wasn't sure what it meant yet. And it was so much like what I grew up with. And it helped me break away from the question, if we're not supposed to believe this stuff, this Ruckmanite numerology, you know, the chart, all of it, if we're not supposed to believe it or act on it, why is it in the Bible? And for some reason, him posting something that I've never heard of that I disagree with, helped me see how he had used the Bible to build his little, I don't know what this means yet. (laughs) Yeah. Emily, there are two great teachers in life. Seeing what you want to be and seeing what you don't want to be. (laughs) At the end of the day, both can have a powerful impact on your life. And when I see these guys, it reminds me of Mm. what I don't want Mm -hmm. to be. So a second ago, you know, we were talking about you guys um, defending and being protective of the fam. And Brian, you're coming at it a little bit more logical that it's to be expected, but you've been out a lot longer than than the other guys. Because he's much older. Hey, don't tell don't say he's much older. I'm older than Brian, so that does, that's not going to fly well this time. <laughs> you know, JC, I was surprised that you you just thought it would be a good time to mention that. Every time, buddy. Every every week, every day, every day. Um, but you know, JC, you mentioned you have to remind sometimes the RFP fam to not just go IFB man of God to recovering fundamentalists. Yeah. So I want to just kind of throw this out there. Having um, the last few months, Emily and I getting to know each other and just really having to talk pretty candidly right away in order to be able to co-host together. We, you know, there, there wasn't, it wasn't like this courting time (laughs) where we had, months and months and months before we got engaged to the podcast, we were just like, we just dove in because we were both like, we knew the Holy Spirit was leading us to do this together, even though in October, we didn't even know each other existed. But here's my here's my thing. So JC, you were mentioning about the fact that as people come out of the IFB, and we know that people have been blessed by the podcast and not just blessed. I mean, that's kind of a churchy word, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they've had a connection that has really for a lot of people been, um, a lifeboat in the middle of whatever it is they're going through. Mm-hmm. 
And you didn't want people to look at the RFP as, you know, kind of their, if I can re-term this, kind of like their saving grace. You're looking at the man of God, now you're going to look at RFP. Right. Um, but here's the here's the question you guys can talk about for a second. Like, can you understand that the, can I use the word grooming? The grooming, the verbal abuse, the emotional abuse, the scriptural abuse from the pulpit puts people in that, the way my pastor put it a few weeks ago, instead of realizing that they are sons and daughters, that puts them in that uh, slave mentality, servitude, subordinate mentality. And so their knee-jerk reaction or their practice or groomed reaction is to turn and attach themselves to somebody else to tell them what the truth is. Does sure. that, does sure. that make sense guys? Where, mm -hmm. when I'm okay, but we can understand that that's what happens. So, so how do we, how do we help people realize that <laughs> and go to the word on their own? And yeah, I think for a season it's going to happen. Um, yeah, sure. It, it, what, what is it? Is it first Corinthians that says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Um, mm -hmm. I think in this moment we've we've been freed. We are following Christ. We are walking in a newness with Him, um, mm -hmm. not bound by the chains of legalism. And so I think naturally they're going to see how Nathan and Brian and myself live with the freedom. And, and we we get emails from people all the time that are asking questions. Hey, you know I I've used the King James forever. How did you get to a point where you started reading and mm -hmm. using a different translation and were able to say? This was the process for us. We never, right. ever, ever once in the 54 episodes plus some extras that we said has said, this is how you need to do it in order to find freedom. We're right. always saying we found it through good community. Life is not meant to be lived alone. It's best in the context of community. Find some good Bible-believing community that's not a yes man that's not following a person, but you're mm -hmm. learning from Scripture. You're holding each other accountable. You know, I, I think that that's a good direction to go there. And then, uh, mm -hmm. and then, and, and all the other thing is, we will never say leave your IFB church. We say it mm -hmm. on every episode. There are good IFB churches. There are there are some good IFB pastors. Make a change where you're at. If that's not possible, then find a way out. But I think really what it comes down to is is it's naturally just happening where we are the host of the podcast. And so people are thinking they've found freedom. What do I need to do? Can I do something like what they've done? And, and I will tell you this in this last year, talking to people, I will say, look, your journey is going to look different than mine, even though it's similar, but mm -hmm. in your journey, pick up things that I do. My journey was different than Nathan. My journey was different than Brian, but their journeys help my journeys. It's okay yeah. to ask why. I think in the IFB world, when we ask the word why, we're doubting, and then we got to go recommit our life and get rededicated and get saved all over again. It's okay to ask why. As you ask why, you're discovering mm -hmm. where you're going on the journey. And I think that's been the biggest thing is just, hey, ask questions. Why do you believe what you believe? Why do mm -hmm. you believe that? And I think that in itself, you'll find so much more freedom. That was great advice, yeah. JC. <clears throat> Thanks. That's I Googled good. it. <laughs> I think Brian, the only thing that Brian would probably disagree with you on, and Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, in that statement, and as he well told us earlier, that 
he does paint with a broad brush because well brian has a different experience than i've had right and i'm not i'm not criticizing you for that i i can totally understand that that's your story well when i say that it's not all inclusive yeah because there's there's some people who accuse me of hating all of the independent baptist which is completely not true as a matter of fact even when i was growing up there were some amazing men who were incredibly kind mm-hmm. to me uh, men like Maze jackson who was a personal close friend of our family and one of the most famous evangelists i guess in the whole nation and even when i was two years old he would hold me up and stand me on the pulpit and uh, get me to sing and all that when i was just you know maybe two years old after i was out of fundamentalism i was preaching in the same city as brother Mays right before he died and it just so happened we ended up staying in the same hotel just a few rooms apart he was so excited he had a good friend named ov sturgill and ov had been really blessed and ov had a had a rolls royce Mm -hmm. and mays loved to ride in that rolls royce and so all week long they took me to every restaurant they went to everywhere they went i spoiled him like a baby that week i opened his car doors Uh, I went down to his room, helped him with his shoes, polished and shined his shoes, did everything I could do. Now, he was still an independent Baptist, but with a great attitude, and I loved him dearly, and that was after I had left fundamentalism. So, So when I say I paint with a broad brush, I'm speaking of that one demographic, which, in my opinion, has polluted in some way the whole, which is why I keep recommending that guys be unaffiliated, Baptist unaffiliated. That makes so much sense, Brian. Yeah, so I, I still love a lot of the people in, in the Independent Baptist movement. For example, Nathan's parents are incredible people. Um, I had the privilege a little while back uh, to uh, go to their home during one of their family get-togethers, and they welcomed me in and treated me as if I were family. Um, those kind of people are great people. It's not a matter of what church they're a part of. They're great people regardless. And, and so people need to understand that I haven't just taken, you know, the three letters IFB and, and declared war. I'm not Braveheart. I'm not riding back and forth on a horse calling the troops to war. Um, I hope that sums yeah, that up. That's good. That's good. Emily, you know, you, you're the most recent out and you and Bill, your journey didn't start in August when you guys left mm-hmm. your IFB church that you are now being used sermon illustrations um, in on Twitter. Uh, Your journey started earlier than that by you guys digging in on your own. And that was uh, when we started asking questions like uh, JC said, when we get, when we start asking those whys and we ask the questions that are taboo, that are scary it's so healthy, then we can really own what we believe. And I, th- I think this is an important distinction to make. Not everything I've questioned, I've changed. And I think mm-hmm. we're okay. afraid to question things. And I just talked about it on my podcast this week. We're afraid of certain topics. And it happened to me just last week. Bill was reading something and researching something. And he can get into some stuff that's still a trigger for me. I was afraid of it and I caught it and went, wait a second. 
I am no longer afraid of these questions. These questions bring me into a deeper knowing of who God is and a deeper relationship with him. And I might be right and I might be wrong, but I don't have to be afraid of asking that question. But I don't know if we would have had the courage to step away uh, when we finally did, if it wasn't for knowing that there was an RFP fam, there was other people walking away too. And one of the biggest fears is let your family will go up in flames because that's what it's, there's so much fear around it and watching other people walk out and stay standing is so encouraging because we're so taught and inundated with the message that if you leave, you'll lose your kids. Or if you leave, you'll go all the way off into this liberal side that actually doesn't exist. It's just a stick man. Mm -hmm. Seeing other people walk it Mm -hmm. says, wow, I can do this. I can actually press into relationship with Jesus outside of this church context. That's awesome. And I think I think you ladies are going to be an incredible voice for so many who I know when we started the podcast, we kept getting emails, please, when are you going to have a lady on? When, when are the ladies going to be able to talk? We're like, well, it's coming. We, we don't know any ladies' issues because we've never been female. <laughs> and I know that, that the RFWP is going to have so much precedence. There's a historical precedence for your podcast to continue to speak into a world that Nathan Bryan and myself will never be able to speak into. And so... I encourage you keep pressing forward and uh, keep yeah. spreading an incredible message. I will tell you, Brian and and JC and Nathan, that, and I've shared this a little bit with Emily, but I was talking to Bobby this week. You know, I've been out of the IFB for almost 30 years. Brian, is that longer than you? <laughs> yeah, it actually is. <laughs> See, you are no longer the oldest in the group. The thing is, though, as I started listening to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast, and I recognized Nathan's voice for the first time, it was like, I know this kid. And and, and it just, the whole thing, your stories, my background drew me in. The more I listened, and then as we stepped into our podcast, Emily and I, and there was a hesitancy, do I want to step back into that? Mm. I realized, guys, as Brian has said before, it's a lot, quote unquote, easier Mm. to leave the legalism than it is for the legalism to leave you. And so there's been a lot of healing for me in the last year listening to you guys in the last few months. I think Nathan, I told you, and I've said this a couple of times, and she's probably going to get sick of hearing me say this, but... Nathan, I told you when you called and said, hey, would you fill in for for us while we're in Vegas? I'm like, by the way, I have a (laughs) co-host. And I told you, like, she just oozes grace. And that's been such a testimony to Mm -hmm. me um, and something to learn. So, you know, Emily's Emily's 29. She's this young mom that's pouring into me as well. So uh, I love that. But I wanted to let you guys know, and I know that this is, I don't want to get accused of taking things out of context. And Jesus, this is in Luke chapter four, and Jesus is rejected at Nazareth. And he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And he read, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me 
to proclaim liberty to the mm. captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, mm. to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant mm. and sat down. I know that this passage mm. is about Jesus and I'm so thankful, but even in that moment, he was accused of blasphemy because he says, you know, today scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Mm. But I want to thank you guys because mm -hmm. over the past year, you have allowed the anointing of the Lord to proclaim the good news to the poor, those that are still captive, those that have not felt the mm. full freedom mm. of, of grace. You know, that Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith and that of your, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That that whole passage is about yeah. grace, not about, see, the Catholics think you have to work for your faith, but we don't. Mm. But yet we all know, having experienced it, that we, like our sanctification was up to us. Yeah. And I want to thank you guys for helping us what Emily and mm. I are calling now, untwisting the narrative. Mm. Because you have reminded us that Jesus rescued our story. He recovered our freedom. He redeemed our relationship. Mm. And he has raised us from the pit. Amen. Well, thank you so much. That is that is such an honor to hear you say that. And there are so many people that get it. There are a lot of people that don't get it. So many people that get it, and we're just thankful that the Lord is using us in a small way and just be able to be back on your podcast after we had you on ours is an incredible honor. And, you know, I've been on a lot of other podcasts this last year, and I think my favorite is definitely the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, or or let's see, JC's JC's favorite, Bill's favorite women's podcast. Yes, or <laughs> radically freed without permission. Oh, that's hilarious! So many of them. Yeah, thank you guys for coming on to our podcast. Uh, it's a a blessing to be part of the the family of podcasts and to have the opportunity to be a vessel and a mouthpiece in this way. Uh, for all of the others in this RFP fam. Well, it's really great to see uh, the yeah. two of you and what you're doing and uh, to know that you're going to be having interviews with women who are going to speak right to the hearts of other women, and uh, there's going to be freedom in that. You know, the great thing is, is when you bring things to light, truth flourishes in the light, mm. and people then find freedom in in truth. And so, uh, you know, I remember a little while back, I had a guy who is kind of a fundamentalist king. And he said to me, guys like me are afraid of guys like you. And I responded, no, guys like you are afraid of people knowing the truth. Yep. So if you just keep Whoa. broadcasting the truth, God will use that in great ways. Good, Brian, would you repeat that one more time? Because I'm going to have to write it down. The guy said to me, guys like me are afraid of guys like you. And I said, no, guys like you are afraid of people knowing the truth. And if you make much of the truth, God's going to use it. And so go RFWP.
Thank you. Thank you again so much for coming and spending time with Emily and I. We're just thrilled that we got to spend time with you and I can't wait until, you know, maybe the five of us will get to do a, a panel at one of the meetups and uh, all get to hang out together with our families. That would be awesome. That'd be amazing. Let's do it. Thanks for having us on. Thanks for being here. Be sweet. Be sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Jinx. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the RFWP. We are so thankful to have you joining us in this conversation that we got to have with Brian, Nathan, and JC. As always, you can reach out to Lois and myself at hello at sisterseeker.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean the world to us if you would consider supporting the RFWP on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com forward slash sisterseeker. And we have a few different tier options for supporting the show. Another way that you can support the show is by leaving us a review. This helps us get this message and this cause into the ears of more women just like you. Thanks for being here, friend.